Welcome back to Beyond the Tavern Wall. I'm your host, Braden Figgins, and I'm joined by the amazing and fantastic Hunter. Will you introduce yourself and tell us what is your dream job? Ooh, uh, hi, my name is Hunter Browning. My dream job is to be a chicken nugget expert. Oh my. Dang, he got the real dream going on right now, Ayo. Heck yeah, dude. Chicken nugget expert Hunter, thank you so much. Anytime. Kendall. Uh, I've said this before, but my dream job is to be an author for uh, middle grade children uh, because someone needs to be nice to them. Um, and then also to be able to um, like have my own, like not my own homestead, but like my own farm, I guess. Does that make sense? Anyway. Do you want to give, give us a little sneak peek into what you're writing? Yes. So um, my story, I've been working on it since I was 12. Uh, so it's about a girl who discovers that her family is a part of the secret society of people who can control the elements, that they are kind of the people running the world. She needs to go to this training place where they will teach her how to conquer each element because somewhere down the line, a god cursed them that they have to conquer every element instead of just one before they reach a certain age or they will die so they need to so the curse is kind of like they're spread thin and so she wants to figure out why that they have that curse but she gets a lot of obstacles thrown her way and it unravels from there hmm, interesting yeah. so stay tuned for when kendall williams or whatever pen name she comes up with is the best seller in the new york times and amazon and in bookstores near you oh thank you Haley, go ahead everyone i'm Haley. uh my dream job is to be an autopsy technician you're gonna have to explain to me what an autopsy technician is do you like she... replace the motor oil and cadavers yeah it's, it's... that's exactly it nice <laughs> okay you could say it's pretty uh morbid oh, yeah this one's lower <laughs> for sure are you gonna cut people open yes nice so you want to perform the autopsies yeah Haley, a lot of what I know about you makes sense. It's <laughs> <laughs> the opposite for me. I've never been more confused. Wait, she's, <laughs> Sam, she is, and I quote, a combat girly. Thank you <laughs> for listening. Oh my Thank gosh, you. I feel so validated. Of course. taking away from this is if you and I both end up in our dream jobs, we might be working much closer together than we thought. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. Chicken All right. nuggets, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sam. So, joke answer. I wanted to to spin off of Hunter's. I wanted to be a mac and cheese expert. Ooh. But I'm already a mac and cheese expert. It is so true. we can just ignore that. Oh, you like mac and cheese? Name every single kind. Excuse me? No, thank you. I might cry. <laughs> you need to pay for that. Yeah, that's, that's privileged information. Patreon, $5. Uh. Legit answer, though, I want to jump into the field of psychology and media. Interesting. You know, like the study of clickbait, almost. Fair enough. Yeah, no, that makes sense. <laughs> what, what triggers the, the tap response on a video and what keeps attention? Okay. Uh, once again, I'm Braden Figgins. My dream job is, honestly, what we're doing right now is uh, running a entertainment company, a media entertainment uh, so Figgy Entertainment is my dream job. Doing this podcast beyond the tavern wall is my dream job, though. So. We're living it, kind of. So it's great. All right. In today's episode, we have decided to delve, dwell, 
Die. Delve. Well, delve. Delve, yeah. Dwelve. We're saying dwell because that's not a Today word. Today we're learning about grammar and vocabulary. Yes. Today we are learning about grammar and vocabulary because we are diving into, see, avoiding the word completely, diving into the deep threads of Reddit. And we are going, we have all found our favorite Reddit threads or posts, whether they be stories or questions, and we're going to discuss them today and read them to you guys on the podcast. We might do uh, this kind of episode periodically because these are just fun to kind of go through and look at what the community of D&D has questions or have come up with, and then to share them with you on the podcast, and then also discuss what they may have questions and what we think about. So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and read my first one. So it seems like user Logan H. Pearson, uh, he posted about 11 hours ago from this recording. The title is just want opinions on a ruling my DM had. So this is one specifically about multi-classing. He multi-classed from a level six fighter into a warlock and he has two levels in warlock now. So I made a six, a level six fighter and a level two warlock with the intent of using Eldritch Blast for damage. I took the Undead Patron and the Banneret as subclasses. I think Banneret is a homebrew subclass. I'm not sure what that that one is. Anyway, my DM ruled that cantrips only level from the specific class they come from, so I only get one beam of Eldritch Blast. My stat spread is way more geared towards my charisma, and I don't know, it just feels bad. I could just be a nitpicker or probably should just suck it up. Thoughts? <clears throat> Thoughts. So basically, the DM has ruled that with the way he's built his character, he does not get a feature that his character would have normally. What are hmm. you guys' thoughts on that? I can um, see how it would be really difficult for the DM at that point to plan his campaign around having that much power in one character. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I still think it's up to the players on how they play. And they need to find a compromise. They shouldn't argue over it. So I'm going to I'm going to leave this to you guys to discuss. I'm not smart, as you know. According to the player's handbook under the multi-classing section, it says if a cantrip of yours, I'm reading this from a comment. If a cantrip of yours increases in power at higher levels, the increase is based on your character level, not your level in that particular class. Meaning, though he has six levels in Fighter, two in Warlock, he is still level eight with the cantrip of Eldritch Blast, meaning that it'd be casted at an eighth level spell. But the- if that's the case, um, hey, Brian, my Tuesday DM, can my Eldritch Blast have more than one ray? Thank you. Jeez. Out right now, okay. Yeah, Brian, know the rules. Gee whiz. It's actually D&D Beyond that uh, told me I only have one. Really? Yeah, I no. have three levels in Warlock and eight in Rogue, and it only gives me one ray. I thought your character died. No, she didn't. She survived. I got really scared, but as of right now, she's alive. Okay. <laughs> I wanted you to play a bard. She keeps almost dying a lot. Yeah, yeah it's very... It's, it's very stressful. Yeah, nine out of ten clerics would say it's a bad idea to die. Okay, what is that? so tenth cleric. <laughs> the tenth cleric is a death cleric. Yeah, fair enough. Oh, that's fair. Yep. So we'll bring it back anyway. Let's let's bring it back real fast. If you were user uh, Logan H. Pearson, what would you and and you read the rule in the book about cantrips and they increase power to, due to your character level, not your class level? How would you bring that up with your DM? Me personally, I would I would show them that exact ruling i mean i know that technically 
all the rules are going to be up to the discretion of the DM. But I do kind of understand a little bit of that frustration that that player is experiencing. So you do understand? Well, like I, I would I feel the frustration because you're like, hey, I built this really cool thing. Why can't I use it the way that it's supposed to be intended? Have I wait? Have I done that to you? No, 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 no. I've just oh, I think about these things a lot. I'm like, hey, what if I'm building something and this person's like, oh no, you can't do that. I think in the end as well, like, if it's not fun for the player, the DM needs to take a step back and be like, hey. What's the point of Dungeons and Dragons? Why are we here? Is it to like, is the DM trying to win or is he trying to tell a story? Is he trying to have fun? Yeah. Because according, yeah. according to the, the rules, because I totally see where the, the DM is coming. A level two warlock that is able to cast Eldritch Blast. I think this would be two or three times at this point. That's a lot for only a level two warlock. But, Can you remind me how Eldritch Blast would change if it was calculated at level eight? Every cantrip at specific levels get more powerful. So like Sacred Flame at first is 1d8 of damage. Um, this is an example, then I can go back to Eldritch Blast. At level five, I believe it becomes 2d8 of damage. And that's just automatic. It's not casted at a higher spell slot or anything. That is just automatic due to it being a cantrip. With Eldritch Blast, when you first learn it, it is only one, one spell per use of Eldritch Blast. Okay. At level five, the spell says that you can then cast it twice. So you would get two attacks with Eldritch Blast. How much is, damage does an Eldritch Blast use? It's, a, it's the same as a heavy crossbow, which is a D10. So my suggestion, I have, I have a potential compromise, but of course you would have to talk to your DM about this. If the DM's worried that you have a really powerful cantrip and only putting two levels in said class for that cantrip, create like an in-game lore reason why that is or put a restriction on it your patron for example uh knowing that you've only been in their service for such and such time for that many levels maybe does grant you the two eldritch blasts but at a lower damage die just until like a a period of time because warlocks are patrons right yeah patron correct so I think it, it's like a proving ground for, for you and your patron. I think going off that as well is you can make it where you may be, Logan H. Pearson, if you ever listen to this podcast, we're speaking directly to you at this point. Uh, Hi, buddy. Uh, Don't be afraid. <laughs> we're, we're nice. I promise. Sam only bites a little bit. I'm in your walls. Oh, oh, oh my gosh. gosh. <laughs> so you can make it where in order to unlock casting a second one, in order to unlock that second casting of Eldritch Blast, you need to prove your worth to the patron. He, he needs to ask you, yeah. a, like kind of what Sam was doing, just in the sense of you can only, instead of lowering the damage die, keeping that second blast behind a, a paywall kind of deal. Yeah. <laughs> so I think overall, 2d8s, you would still be doing a little more damage on average, but it's not so powerful that it seems unfair that you possibly just took those for the Eldritch Blast, those two levels for the Eldritch Blast. And I'm not saying you did. I would also recommend never argue with your DM. They, they go through a lot of work to make campaigns happen, so try to work with them. Yes. Don't turn it into an argument. Make it an experience for both of you to come up with a cool mechanic for the situation. I like that. Talk with yeah, your DM. Good. I would show them this rule first if they're still like, and you can also ask them why they came up with that rule as well, um, just to kind of get in their headspace and figure out what they were thinking, but then see if you could work with them to make a way so that even though you are still a level two warlock, warlock um, and by the way, leveling up 
your DM, depending on what leveling up style you do, there's experience points or your DM can just tell you to level up at random times. So if you're a level two warlock, figure out a way with your DM to unlock that ability because rules as written, you are able to, you should be able to cast more than one immediately. Not as written kind of logically, I'd say it doesn't make sense that you would already know that. So Haley, do you got anything? You've been quiet. No, I agree with everything you guys have said. Okay. Who wants to go next? I can. I have an interesting story. Are we saying their usernames? Uh, yeah, I would. Yes, we gotta give okay, credit okay. to the owners, so. Sure, sure. Yeah. Just wanted to make sure we're on the same page. Unless they're, like, really awful people. Oh, no, this person seems alright. Uh, this is posted by user original JMB. Uh, it's just titled the most epic death save I've ever, I've ever seen. I run an entirely homebrew world. One of the central conceits is that dragons are very, very scary, and even a hatchling can give a mid-level party nightmares. The party's having their first encounter with such a hatchling, a cobalt dragon, and for the most part, they're doing really well. They space the map effectively, so it can't one-shot them with a breath attack. The spellcasters are using boulders to hide behind. Read it a little slower. Okay, sure. I'm starting to wonder who these players are and what they've done with my usual crew. The half-empty is the paladin who got absolutely mullered. Mullered? I don't even know if that's a real word, but... Mullered by a breath attack. He's unconscious and making death saves. The party has the dragon down to about 10% of total HP. Dragon's turn comes around, and being no fool, it decides to run away to feed on livestock another day. It has one route of egress that won't fly it past any active combatants directly over the unconscious paladin. The dragon takes off, uses up the last of its movement, and ends up more or less right on top of the paladin. Paladin's turn, a death save is rolled, natural 20. Will you explain what a death save is real fast? So when a player character runs out of all of their hit points, they go unconscious. And when it is their turn, they have to roll a 20-sided dice. Um, if it is a... It's a 10 and below, right? Or is ten, it a 10 9 and below, below, yes. 10 and below. Yeah. 10 and below counts as a failure. 11 to 20 counts as success. Uh, and you have to either... You have to succeed on three or you fail on three. But if you fail on three, you die. If you succeed on three, you stabilize. Um, However, in the case of a natural 20, if they had already made a single death save, which seems to be the scenario in this, they they basically wake up with one hit point. Um, A natural one is two automatic fails. So that's a quick explanation on that. But the paladin rolls a natural 20 on the death save. Uh, the paladin is suddenly conscious with one HP, a critically wounded dragon 10 feet in the air over him, and he pulls out his enchanted glaive. In the two weeks that followed this session, the New York Metro experienced a shortage of divine smites. None could be found anywhere, because every last one of them got poured into that hit. Decades from now, historians will speak of the dragon smite of 2023. <laughs> I was so confused. I was yeah. like, where is this going? I'm not done. I'm not done. Uh, and also, real fast, I just looked it up. Uh, it is nine and below is a fail. Okay, okay. Your success. So it is slightly in your favor. Yes. Yeah. All right. Uh, the paladin cleaves the dragon open, gullet to taint, spilling viscera and gore over him. Jeez. Oh, a dragon carcass sails overhead to crater into the ground behind him. He stands there and unleashes a primal roar. This is to date the only time I've ever actually stood up and applauded a player. Dude, that's bad, eh? That was pretty, pretty cool. 
that's that's honestly one of the things I absolutely love about D&D. Just the dice just rolls just in your favor and you're able to pull off something absolutely insane. And it's just it's the coolest thing. And again, we've talked about it where it's just imagination, but it is such the most bad A imagination you've ever seen in your entire life where the entire New York Metro experiences shortage of divine smites. OK, the entire New York Metro in real life at this very Wait, moment, obviously. Me. Hey, I'm excited because this is sick. Uh, I'm excited because really cool. we got a new mechanic for moms. Death saving throws. We need to come up with a jingle for mechanics for moms. These are mechanics for moms. Boop. There you go. We'll workshop it. We'll, yeah, we'll talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> and for all the moms together. that do play Dungeons and Dragons, I promise we're not trying to patronize you in any way, shape, or form. We love you. It's we specifically you, Kendall's mom. Mom's mom. <laughs> especially, you have especially more than Laura one? Bailey. Especially Laura Bailey. That's just such another cool story about how D&D is all about epic storytelling and these dope moments that happen with your friends. Because there's been a few times where I've just been, as a DM, I have just been impressed by people's role-playing or things that go on like this, where you do stand up and applaud your player or just the genius role-playing or thing that they just did. And that's what makes D&D just so fun to play is for these moments right here. I didn't get a standing applause when I unionized that devil camp right in. It's because we don't believe in unions. <laughs> uh, the devil camp does now. They do now. <laughs> I, I was, you had me dying of laughter. Is that not enough for you? No, it was pretty good. Thank it was you. hilarious. <laughs> because Wait, union. What happened? I love this. It's I unionized great. a devil camp. That's it? That's all you're going to give me? I told him he deserved a bathroom break, and he agreed. He and it like, turned you know into what? a... <laughs> He's like, I do get a break. They it's rolled, the like, thing, over 20 so on cool. every single one of their deception rolls. And I was like, <laughs> what am I going to do? I was like, we'll make this a little funny. You union... You, you made one person realize that his work place was not sound and healthy he was going to talk to his manager unless you <laughs> chopped off his head you don't know yeah that's the thing i don't know if we kept him alive you unionized i'm pretty and sure that he's dead somewhere oh, could be, he could be in the bathroom who knows he's gonna walk out and just be like what the and that's what you get for taking a bathroom break <laughs> me at amazon yeah i was about to say <laughs> the amazon way Jeez. <laughs> Long story short, unions are bad. No. It was a joke, um, it was a joke, it was a joke. Don't unionize. It makes your boss sad. And you don't want to make anyone sad, do you? Hey, my boss <laughs> makes a dollar. I make a dime. That's why I pee on company time. Ayo. Who wants to go next? I have one that's kind of short and sweet. Okay. Go for it. All right. So this is from Spicy Chicken Nuggy. Yeah. Yeah. Is that just Hunter? This is just Hunter. It might just be Hunter. <laughs> they found my secret Reddit account. <laughs> um, and this is in the r slash D&D stories subreddit. Uh, the legend of the best bread ever to be made. Ooh, I think I can get behind this story. A while ago in the campaign I'm in, my character Cade, a half robotic dragonborn rogue. Holy cow, that's a flavorful character. Had met a guy named Foe or Fox, something like that. Uh, a lizard folk. They had piqued each other's interests, and Foe had told Cade about a thieves' guild he could join called the Society of the Red Arrow. Long story short, Cade had found the hideout of the Red Arrow and was initiated. 
The first job given to him by the guild was a delivery job where he had to deliver shrooms to a nearby town. Yo. So we got a drug deal on this one. He reached the cart that had the shrooms a few hours late due to having talked with the trickster god longer than he had noticed and drove the cart to town. The cart had to be inspected at the town gates, but the guild had thought of this and minor illusion to the shrooms to look like bread. Uh, so minor illusion, basically, uh, I'm under the impression, I've never used the spell, but I'm under the impression that it's a spell where you can just disguise something, right? It's like a cube, isn't it? It's like a one by one. Yeah, minor illusion cube. does not change specific things. It makes an object, like it makes a area look like something. Oh, okay. I can see where this is going and I love it. It's a five foot cube. All right. What the guild hadn't thought of was the guard smelling the bread. The DM rolls the investigation check. Nat one. The guard looks at the bread, looks at me and says, this is the best smelling bread I've ever seen. Nice. The nice. other guard comes over because he doesn't believe him. So the DM makes another check. Another nat one. Holy crap, this bread smells really good. Do you mind if we have some? Kay declines, using the excuse that he has to deliver it all exactly as ordered. This is one of the funniest moments of the whole campaign, and the DM still jokes about this, and has even made mention in-game of hearing rumors of the best-smelling bread ever. It's amazing. I love that. I love that. That's hilarious. <laughs> I want yeah. bread now. First off, <laughs> don't do drugs, kids. We do not condone mm. drugs. Unless your doctor prescribes them, then please take them as as instructed that's amazing that's just that's just another instance like like our union instance it's just, yeah, I just it's horrible checks or great checks and it's hilarious i like the i like the just mention of there's now this legend about the best smelling bread in the world i love stuff like that who's next i can go next so this is from user bunsen honeydew's eyes and it is is it metagaming to remind a player of something their character would know? That's the one I had pulled up next. I read oh my gosh, there. your first one is the first one I had pulled up. Uh-huh. Got a friend I play with who has blithely walked into a room that her character has been in and would know because we were there in-game a couple days previous is trapped. Now, in real life, it's been a couple of months, and I think they were a bit tipsy at the time we played. Happens a lot towards the end of the session with this player. So I piped up, even though my character was doing something else in another part of the castle. Hey P, your very intelligent character would remember not to go in that room because of the thing that lashes out as you walk through the door. We did it a couple days ago. She says, I don't like metagaming, and walks through anyway. I feel... Like, it's not metagaming, but helping the player remember something obvious that her character wouldn't be stupid enough to do a second time. Sure, my PC isn't there, but I'm there at the table and I wasn't drunk last time. So my reminding her, the player, not to do something dumb isn't metagaming in my mind. It's just helping avoid something that is obviously a dumb move that her PC wouldn't do. Mm, that one's hard, but I think I agree with the poster. Yeah. I don't. I don't think it quite qualifies as metagaming. Um, because I I read that story actually earlier as well. It's not one of the ones I've planned on doing, but um, I believe one of the comments was uh saying something along the lines of, "Hey, if this player character there had an intelligence score of such and such, that yeah, they could easily be reminded and say, hey, your character would know this.' But I don't know. Ultimately. I do feel like if a player character is just going to do something stupid, let them do it. The top comment on this is you may be stupid, but your character isn't. And I know as a DM, if my players 
their character would know something. I just make them make a general intelligence check to see if they would remember that. And most of the time I make it a very small, like a very low DC, because there's no reason that their character would suddenly forget that. DC mm-hmm. also is just the level, oh, the, oh, what's a good way to explain DC? Difficulty check, isn't it? Or yeah. something like that? DC means difficulty it. check. It is the number set by the DM that the player has to be in their role plus their modifier in order to succeed. I feel like, yes, it is metagaming because you are giving them information outside of their, outside of your character, but I don't think it's a bad metagaming. It is helping them play their character the best. I think what I would have done in that situation is, one, I I don't play intelligence characters for a reason uh, because it's hard to play an intelligent character when you don't have the greatest of intelligence. Uh, I feel that that in my soul. Wizards, what are those? Just kidding. But I feel like it should be up to the DM to be the one to help with that. But that is a metagaming as a DM that I would not be, be mad about. Now, if they're like, it's not a metagaming that I, 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 as a DM, I would be upset about my players doing because it's helping them not make stupid decisions that they that they yeah. should know, but due to them being possibly intoxicated, um, that they wouldn't remember because of that. Who's next? Am I the only one that hasn't gone? Samwise Gamgee, you. you. D- did anyone else have a second one they wanted to go through? Because I feel like what I have to say is great to, to finish up. I can read I it. have another oh, one. Go ahead. Go ahead, Kendall. Um, so I haven't read this one yet, but the title caught my eye. So we're going to discover it together. Boy. Fun. Oh, no. Th- this is from Reddit, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. no. I know. So uh, we're going to cut this out, right? If it's bad. Okay. <laughs> it's titled, We Burned Down a House Trying to Make Potato Chips. Nice. I love it's it already. Fun. I feel like this will be fun. Yeah, this is great. I like this already. Okay. So it's from Corgi Dragon Creations. So it sounds like this person makes dragon corgis, and I'm, I love that. I'm also interested in that. Yes, so as well. Okay. Uh, we had a pretty large party, eight or so people, that so we could take on a pretty large encounter. But we struggled with this one. The party arrives at a small town, Lycan something. I forgot its name, but I knew it had Lycan in there somewhere. Which should have been our first hint. The second hint was seeing no one but the mayor frantically running around, locking door, locking doors and boarding up windows, yelling at us to leave the town immediately and only come back tomorrow if we really needed to. We decided to stay. So the mayor gave up his house for the night, saying he won't need it. Our third hint. In this time period, my character uh, and two other people are breaking into a locked off store grabbing the ingredients for potato chips because we agreed that it would be funny to make them canon. Our fourth hint was the DM specifically mentioning a full, a full moon and strange noises coming from the houses. No one understood any of the hints, so we were technically screwed. When the clock struck midnight, werewolves started breaking into the mayor's house while we were too busy making potato chips. One of the werewolves knocked into the chips, ruining them. The barbarian and wizard were helping me make the chips, and so the barbarian went into rage, and the wizard started casting fireball everywhere. We had to fall back to the basement to finish them off. When the sun rose, the mayor promptly kicked us out of the village for killing, like, half of its population and burning down his house. Moral of the story, don't make potato chips. Wow. That was funny. I think that is, like, the best story of all stories. The top comment is worth it. I love that they missed every single hint. And there were four of them. (laughs) 
like the four pretty obvious ones. The name Wait, of the town yeah. is Lichen something. And that is prime D and D right there. You know? <laughs> it's true. That man, I sure hope we don't ever make a, a mistake like that. I know lightning. That's a story for another day. <laughs> you know, honestly, that lightning in the courtyard was not as bad as uh, the curse of Strahd group, the group before you guys on Wednesday nights. Like every time they went into one town, they caused something terrible to happen. Every single time, they caused the the mayor to get murdered because they weren't following the rules, and they were like, "Oh no!" And then it was insane. But potato chips, dude, worth it for the chips. Yo, I gotta figure out if potato chips are uh, canon in my world. I just think it's great the barbarian went into a rage. I mean, it makes sense. Aren't aren't you guys upset when your bur- your burger chips, your potato chips get ruined? I would definitely be ready to kill someone if someone ruined my homemade potato chips. What if someone ruined your white cheddar cheese puffs Cheetos thingies? Not sponsored, by the way. Not sponsored, <laughs> but Sponsor hey, us. Cheetos, hit me up. I I buy a lot of your white cheddar Cheeto puffs. I would not kill the whole population of werewolves if someone ruined my Cheeto puffs. If that's what you're asking, makes it sound like you would. I I'll think you that just got accused of lying, Sam. I think it is your yes. turn to ask your question. Ask my question or read a story. Reddit story thingy. So I did not find a specific story. But I did find a subject among stories that I tend to peruse over Reddit. I love to listen to Reddit stories while I'm at work. It just gives me something to listen to. It keeps me busy. And one of my regular subreddits is RPG horror stories. And it's not like scary horror stories. It's like most of it's like bad players who ruin it for everyone. And a lot of these players, they they have good intentions for themselves. They want to play the game their own way, but they don't take into account how it makes other players feel and how other DMs feel. So a big thing that that I see that I want you guys to, to chip in on is how do you feel about players actively ignoring, disregarding house rules that the DM has set? Uh, if they are actively doing it, one, I will talk to them at first. And if they don't change, I will kick them out of the party. Every single, at the start of every campaign, I have you guys look over my rules and notes for the campaign. And one of those is basically follow the rules that are set. And we will talk about them, we'll discuss them, we'll, we sit down and discuss about it all. If you have made that rule and said you will do that, and then you break that rule and are not willing to change, you will not be in my group. I see a lot of stories out there of people who feel like they're being picked on because when they break the rule, but it'd be in character and other players, you know, they, they fight them on that. There's a lot of contention about it, If you're but char- I feel like Sorry, house rules, I feel like they're important. So for any new Dungeons and Dragons players, we love you guys. Um, try to just come up with a few base rules, guidelines of stuff you want to happen, stuff you don't want to happen. Make some guidelines. For example, I think, Brayden, what are some of yours right off the top of your head that you can remember? Uh, some like, I call them um, veils and lines. Uh, some of my veils and lines are just like, um, I only really have a few veils and lines, and I don't know if they're specifically appropriate for um, the podcast <laughs> to say, uh, <laughs> but basically, if your character ends up doing the hanky pink, it is a fade to black, or... If your character decides to commit heinous crimes that are 
very, very unspeakable wrong and unspeakable that we don't want to discuss, that is a line, and you do not cross that line or you are kicked out. Just don't make your your group uncomfortable, you know? Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, what, that's what I want to accentuate. There's a surprising yeah. amount of stories on there of people who just completely disregard how people feel about the actions that they uh, that they commit. Yeah. So just read the room. That's mm-hmm. what I get from from most of the Reddit stories that I that I read, at least in that subreddit. Keep it PG thirteen. I can it's give an PG-13 example because we cut we cut I monster love heads an example. Off, you know. I like, mean, yeah. It just depends on your your um. You can, not every campaign is going to be PG thirteen. Honestly, ours is rated R is what we would be labeled as due to violence. But it really just depends. Make sure you are reading the room. Make sure you, you're following what your DM has put down and you listen to your DM. If your DM asks you to stop and you're not willing to stop um, and then you get kicked out of the group, that is not the DM's fault. That is your fault for not following the rules that have been set by your party and your group. I also want to say I would feel absolutely awful if my actions in a session or the way that I was role-playing made someone consider leaving the group just because it made them uncomfortable yeah, or something too. that they didn't align or agree with to a point of that extreme of them just, like, not wanting to come anymore. Yeah, because D&D is, uh, we've talked about this before, but D&D is, at its core, a social gathering, right? And mm-hmm. so if you make somebody uncomfortable and they don't want to come anymore, you're taking away precious time with your friends, which probably doesn't feel very good. Also, D&D is a safe place for a lot of people, too. So you're essentially taking away the one place someone feels safe being themselves. I had a... So anyway, that's... Sorry. No. I had a player once who designed their character to... Oh, how do I word this? I'm trying to think of a, a PG-13. If my nephew listens to this, how do I uh, say this in a way that's not going to be... Made their character in a way that would try to seduce... He's a bed sheet connoisseur. Yes. Um, I've never heard that before. A stereotypical bard. They weren't a bard. Oh. No, it was, it was... Oh, that goes over the line. And it's just like, <laughs> yeah, only bards can do that. No. And it just was like, it came to a point where if that was all they were doing and trying to get at, it was not fun. It was very... It was awkward, honestly. It was very awkward for me to be like, oh, um okay, I guess we'll roll with that. Like, it just was very weird and very awkward. So yeah, I'll just reiterate what you guys have said. Like, if you make other people feel uncomfortable, if you make people feel awkward, understand that, read the room, and back off a little bit. Because the most important thing is that everyone is having fun in the game itself. Amen. So anyway, my story is an entire subreddit. Go check it out. It's my guilty pleasure. I listen to to horror stories. It's great. Sam, have you ever listened to Crit Crab? I love Crit Crab. Oh my gosh. He is one of my go-tos at work. He has four new episodes that I haven't listened to yet, and I am so excited to listen to them. Crabby Patty secret formula. (laughs) Shout out to Crit Crab. Um, We love you, even if some of us haven't heard of you. Come join us. I've, I've never heard of him. Kendall hasn't heard of you, so now you have to come on to the podcast for Kendall's sake. Exactly. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this Reddit episode. If you did, let us know and we can do more of these. I actually thought this was really fun. So again, thank you guys so much for coming out for the episode. If you guys like the episode, make sure to rate that five stars on Spotify. I was going to post it on Apple Podcasts, but didn't realize that there is a $20 fee 
like monthly or yearly fee to even put stuff on Apple Podcast. So we'll get really? that one day. Yep. Uh, we'll get that one day. Don't worry. Uh, Apple Podcasts, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you wouldn't be listening now, but I'm going to be talking to you right now. We still think about you. Never forget. We are here for you. Yeah, um, Sam does need to eat, though. Yeah, I Sam, do. Sam does need to eat. So $20 uh, we, we're not paying for that Apple Podcast until I have a sufficient Cheeto supply. Well, I was going to be mac and cheese. It's both. Oh, Cheeto mac and just cheese. Not, just not the Cheeto mac and cheese. No, that stuff is awful. Yeah, it's Cheeto trash. mac. It is and bad. I mean, fu- I, that, I, I mean that with full offense. Cheetos, that was a bad idea. Please take it off the shelves. Yeah, the flaming Hot one, right? It's so bad. Yeah, it's bad. If you like our content, make sure to go find more on Instagram at Beyond the Tavern Wall. Kendall is in charge of that stuff now, so you can guarantee it's going to be good content uh, and actual content on there because I was really bad at running it. Uh, if you have any topics for episodes or suggestions or questions that you want to ask, beyondthetavernwall at gmail.com is the best way to go. And as always, the best way to get this podcast out and to grow is to share it with your friends and family that may or may not be interested in Dungeons and & Dragons. And also share it with someone that Hunter is going to give us who you need to share it with. You need to share it with somebody who likes dino chicken nuggies. That's literally everyone. Exactly. Even if you say you don't, you're lying, and we know you are. Exactly. I have some in my freezer right now. Hey, let's go. If you, find, if you find somebody that says they don't like it, let them know that they're lying to themselves, and then feed them a plate of dino chicken nuggies. While listening to the podcast. Yeah. Absolutely. Let them d- uh, dwell. <laughs> dwell into their tra- childhood, okay? Brayden, we need to start playing Scrabble. No. Thank you guys so much oh. for coming out. Everyone. Say your final goodbyes. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye.